0: All right. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? So, if you weren't here last week, uh, Pastor Dave showed a... uh, Did this bother anybody else? This bothered the mess out of me during worship. I couldn't concentrate on Jesus. All right. So, uh, I was like, why is that water bottle up there? Everything's so nicely decorated as a random water bottle. So, uh, Pastor Dave showed a picture of Mount Rushmore. And if you were to write down the, you know, if you knew all the presidents from it, then he was going to, then you win. So that's what that was. And then we played a game today called, uh, guess who didn't come to church? All right. And, uh, or who had to go to the bathroom in Adam's sake, probably, I don't know. So, um. Well, if you haven't, I, if I haven't met you, I'm kind of new. I've only been around for a couple months, and um, just on the on the staff team here. I serve with the students, and uh, just so glad to be with you guys today. Um, just a just a quick introduction, of, and uh, before we get into it, first of all, let me ask this: It's it's Christmas, right? It's awesome, All right, Who's already decorated for Christmas? Anybody? Any Clark Griswolds out there? All right. Anybody just like families just go way overboard for Christmas and decoration? Any of you guys? All right. I'm more of the cousin Eddie type. Um, of, uh, of that. So, if there's decorating in my house, it's usually not done by me. I'm usually just watching football or doing other things Cousin Eddie might do. So, um, so uh, let me just, quick introduction to my family. This is my family right here. This is uh, my beautiful wife, Elisa. She's in the middle, all right? And, uh, and then I have my two, my two kids. Malia is 18, or 17, sorry, I'm not 17, she's 17. And, uh, and she is a senior at Bartram, and I have a son, Tate who is a uh, who's 15 and is a freshman at uh, Beachside. So, let me apologize in a little advance. I've been dealing with allergies so my voice is a little little crazy today. So, um, but great family. Look, I love both my kids very much, but how many guys I just want to be honest, the first one's always your favorite, right? I mean, it just it is what it is. I mean, he knows, right? He gets it, you know. So, I'm kidding. If you're not the, if you're a kid in here and you're like, "What? No, I didn't know that was a thing." It's a joke. It's all right. You have to earn the favorites. We do have favorites, all right? but you got to earn it. It's not it's not a title given away easily. So um, but you got to earn it. So we have been in a um, a, a last 6 7 weeks um, taking a look at the uh, the 7 I AMs in the book of John. And so we've been taking a look at because it's it, it's the, what Jesus says he is because what the what Jesus said he did only matters if Jesus is who he is. And so we, as we looked at I am, we looked at I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection of the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And today, we're going to take a look at the last I am statement in the book of John, which is I am the vine. And again, these are so important because our faith in what Jesus did is, is rooted in who he is. And if he wasn't who he says he is, then what he did doesn't matter. But because he is, it's everything. And so the main point today is uh, that Jesus is the true vine. And as we walk away, we'll talk about an action step of abide. But um, <clears throat> for some of us, we may we may know this. But for abide, before we get into it, I'm about to read the scripture we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to say the word abide ten times. And so for some of us, we may not really like we don't really use that word in our language very much. And so we may not be like really tracking what it means. So so I'm going to give you a definition. Okay. So just a little bit of definition. It means to remain right, to stay, to linger, I mean, we use these words, right, remain, stay, linger, rest in, dwell, right, just to be around, to dwell, to rest in, I mean, that's just always there, and I have somebody in my life that's a professional, professional abider, she's always there, she is, she is, she is, no matter where you're at, she's at, and she, you are the center of her attention at all times, and I would like to introduce you, to, I love my family, but I would like to introduce you to my lily, all right. This is Lily. <clears throat> All right. So no matter if you're laying on the couch, Lily doesn't just lay next to you. She like, she gets in there, makes sure her belly is like flush. I mean, she wants to be as close to you as she can. And no matter what she's doing, man, she, her eyes are on you. She knows where you are. If you get up, when I get up and leave, then I'll be like, look, stay. I'm just going to get something out of the refrigerator. Don't stay. I'm coming right back because we were snuggling, right? And I'll go walk away and she comes with you, right? And I'm like, oh, I wanted you to stay. And so that's, think of just kind of that mental picture, right? This is a very non-spiritual definition of abide, by the way, all right? So, but think of that mental picture. You, some of you guys might have a dog similar to that, similar to that as well. And uh, we're just like, man, she is yeah, she just always just staying, dwelling, lingering, resting in. And as we talk about abide today, that's what that's what Jesus is asking us to do. And so, um, Let's get into it. Let me pray real quick before we read the the word. God, we thank you. We thank you for today, Lord. We thank you that we get to begin a season of celebrating the birth of Jesus. And God, everything that Christmas means, but we know that more than anything else, all the glorious things that we get to do and hang with family and gifts and all that stuff, but it really comes down to celebrating the birth of Jesus. And we just thank you that you sent him as a gift to us. And Lord, I pray that you would just sustain my voice, but more importantly, God, that you, your voice would be heard today, God. And I just pray that you would lead us and guide us as only you can collectively and personally as you draw us in to a relationship with you, in Jesus' name. So let's get into this. is Matthew 15, and it says this. It says, I am the truth. This is Jesus talking. So let me let me set it up real quick. So this is Jesus talking. He's talking um, about, that's about 24 hours before he is arrested and beaten And killed and so he's talking to his disciples and this is right just that night before and so he says this he says i am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit although you and it says although you are already you are clean because of the word that i've spoken to you abide in me and i in you may be full and so he starts off this we could really just talk for an hour I'm not going to but we could talk for an hour really just about Matthew 15:1 where he says this he says I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser and he's what he's talking to disciples what he's saying may not may not hit us like it would hit um, a Jew in the first century is, is that when this this, uh, this imagery of a vine when he's talking about a vine he's talking about the people of God or the people of Israel and every time in the Old Testament when, when the, this imagery of the vine is spoken of, it is, it is talking about the people of God. And every single time that the, the imagery is talked about the vine, it's actually talking about how the, how, how the people of God have not um, been able to bear the kind of fruit that pleases God. That every time that it it's mentioned, it's something that's really negative. It's something that's really kind of judgment. It's, it means that God's judgment is coming upon you. And so every time he's talking about the vine, people, a Jew in the first century would see that as, as, as God's wrath, as judgment coming. And so, he, But what Jesus does is he flips that on, on its side and he says, but look, I am the true vine. I am going to become what you could not become. I am going to produce the kind of fruit that you could not produce. And see, this is the good news of the gospel. This is a gospel declaration that Jesus is making. And so what he's saying is like, look, is that you... Didn't, could not produce the kind of fruit that would please God. That's the bad news. But the good news is, I got you. The, ba- the good news is, I am here and I am going to produce the kind of fruit that pleases the Father. I got you. And so, he's flipping that up, uh, flipping that upside down. And so, uh, as we go into... Um, as, as we look at a couple things, these are the three things we're going to talk about as we look, look through the text. There's these three things that we're going to kind of take away out of these next texts. One is that we need to expect pruning. Expect pruning. Number two, that our position is in his presence. And then number three, that Jesus gives us the power to love. And so number one, expect pruning. Look at verse two. It says, Matthew, Matthew 15, two says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may uh, that it may bear more fruit. You know, one of the great supernatural mysteries of what it means to uh, to be a Christian is that we that we bear fruit. Like this is a difficult truth sometimes, but what what he would say is is if, if you're as a Christian, if you're not bearing fruit, there is no genuine belief. To be a Christian is to bear fruit, and so how we define fruit matters. I mean, is this fruit in our life mean like, hey, we're going to have great jobs. My kids are going to mind. Um, I'm always going to be healthy um, and, and life's going to be great. Is that the kind of fruit he's talking about? No. And so he goes on, he talks to fruit, t- says fruit like this, Galatians five. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patient, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Excuse me, real quick. Get back to my point here. Okay. So, notice on that where it says, "But the fruit of the spirit." That is that is a singular word. It's not a plural. So it's not saying like, "Hey, the fruits of the spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness." It's it's a singular thing, and it's something that grows in us uh, at once. It's it's and so as if we look at this because if we try to pull some of these out, we would say, "Well, listen. If there's if you don't have joy, you're probably not going to have much love, and if you don't." Love, you're probably not going to have much peace, and if you're not operating in peace, you're probably not going to have much patience. And if you're not have patience, you're probably not going to be very kind. And you can keep going with those any way you want. But this is a this is a fruit that grows in our life, not fruits. This is something that that grows uh, symmetrically in our life, and so that's what he's saying is fruit is that that when he looks at our lives, that he wants us to produce fruit. To be a Christian means to produce fruit, and this is the kind of fruit that he's talking about. Let me read this to you. This is from a book called The Fruit of Christ's Presence from Harry Pope. It says this, Christians draw draw their life from Christ the same way a branch draws its life from the main stem of the grapevine. Jesus made the simple comparison that a person who is not united to him is like a branch that has been cut off and cut off from the vine. The branch quickly withers. It has no life of its own, but only lives in the relationship to the vine. The purpose of the branch is to serve as a vehicle through which the vine expresses itself. Jesus is the vine. The branch bears the fruit which the vine produces. Grapes do not bear, appear on the trunk of the vine. The branch serves uh, the vine by bearing the grapes. God has chosen to express his love and his purpose in the world through people. Nonetheless, the fruit of a Christian's life comes from him and comes only as a result of one's relationship to him. Because of this relationship, Jesus said that God is glorified when when Christians bear much fruit. I think about this as, uh, as we think about fruit, oftentimes we associate that with pain, and that Oftentimes we think of it, that a lot of times when God is, when God's producing fruit in our life, he's, he's, he's giving us things from pain. But I was reading this, uh, we're going through this, uh, study with it called knowing him, knowing him, who's doing that? Knowing him. Anybody else got that? All right. Knowing him. And I was reading this and Jesus is talking to about 140, 40 of his disciples. And he's basically talking about what to expect as a Christian, what to expect a disciple. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, expect to experience poverty Times when you, are not, when, you, when you don't have a dime to your name. Expect to experience riches. Times when God will open the floodgate and pour out as much as you will have the tendency to think you deserve. Uh, what, and it says, expect to experience hunger. Times when you have nothing to eat and your stomach is, is, is growling. Expect to experience being full. Having times when you eat like a king. Expect to experience pain. Expect to experience laughter. Expect to, uh, to be hated. And expect to be loved and spoken well of. And I think about that, I was reading through that, and I'm like, man, everything that God is doing in our life, everything God is doing, he's doing to move us to a place of growing in him and producing fruit in our life. And we fight back so much on it because we associate to it so many times. Like, well, it's, it's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. And we fight back on it. But I think about this. I coach baseball. I actually have a, a, a kid on my team that's in here today. And I coach baseball. The very first practice we do every practice is we have them get down into a ground ball stance. I'll do it over here so I'm, that thing's the other way. We have them get down to a ground ball stance, and we have get them as low as they can, chin as low, and we make them hold it. And we just make them hold it. And we make them hold it. And I tell them the first one comes up. I'm going to make your day miserable. You stay down there until you, I don't even care if it hurts. I don't care. And I was like, well, I don't want to hear you say it hurts. I don't, I, I don't care if you laugh about it a little bit. It hurts a little bit. But if I start seeing you be soft, I use my word, right? If I start seeing you be soft, what I'm trying to figure out is who's going to compete, Yes, it's, it's a little painful sometimes, but it's making you better. Yes, it's a little uncomfortable at times, but it's bringing you to the place where you want to be. You, as a coach, I am here to push you. As a coach, I'm here to, to push you towards the what you want to be. You want to be a good player. This is what you want, and I'm here. I, I, you're not here for me. I'm here for you. And so I'm here to push you. And I think about that, how like I get so fired up about that from the coaching side. Right? I'm like, man, they're getting better. They're getting stronger. I get so excited about it as a coach. But I remember being on the other side. Ah, I'm so mad. I didn't like being on that side as much. But, man, it's different perspective a little bit. Now that I'm on the coaching side, man, I think about it and I'm like, gosh, that's so, that's so good. Because, first of all, we're establishing a relationship as, as a coach to a player where you know. That as long as you're on this field with me, I will push your behind. I'm going to make it hurt. I'm going to make you uncomfortable because at the end of the day, the only thing I want for you is for you to be as good as you can get. To experience everything in the game of baseball that you want. And so I get so excited about pushing athletes, but I remember being an athlete and being like, eh. I mean, I wanted to be good too, but I didn't necessarily always like it. And so that's kind of how we are. That God, I I think that God has that perspective. I think it's like He gets so excited about those things in our life that are making us grow, that are stretching us, that are making us cutting the things away that are sinful, and everything that He's doing to help us move forward in a relationship with Him to, to 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 have fruit that brings glory to Him. And in so many ways, that, and that, that's just helped my perspective to be like, "Oh, that's God." Okay, now I, I now I want now I'm going to try to have a perspective that I want my athletes to have. Bring it, bring it, bring it. I want I want it. Right, the good things and the bad things, because it was saying, "Look, he's going to use all things for the for the glory of the of, of, excuse me for the glory of those who know and love and serve him." And so. I want those things, and so I'm going to have a little bit more of a, a competitive spirit as a, as a believer and not be so soft and bring a little bit more of my that athletic coaching mentality and say, bring it. Now, I don't need to be uh, Lieutenant Dan, right? Anybody? Obscure movie, movie reference there. Anybody? Raise your hand if you're under the age of 20 and you know who Lieutenant Dan is. All right. Ra- all right. Raise your hand if you're over 30 and you know who Lieutenant Dan is, right? Okay, good. Yeah. So, I don't need to be Lieutenant Dan, but I man, I want to embrace God moving in my life and doing the things that are bringing fruit to, to my life to bring glory and honor to him. So expect pruning. All right. Number dose. All right. Number two is this. Our position is now in his presence. Verse three says this. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So he's talking to his disciples like, look, you're, it, 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 I'm the true vine. And what that means is you should expect to be pruned. But no, already you're clean because of, because of the words I've spoken to you. Said, what? And so he's, man, he's like, already, look, I'm gonna pr- you're going to get pruned. But already you're clean because of your belief. Because of your belief to these things I've told you, these I am statements. Because of those things, because of your belief in who I am. You are clean. You are saved. You are sanctified. And it's not because of what you've done. It's not be- but keep in mind, these fools are tw- less than 24 hours from denying and betraying Jesus outright right in front of his face. And so it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of what you're going to do. It's because of your belief. And he says, already you are clean because of what you, because of what you believed about me. And then verse 4 through 7 says, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is he he that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you abide in me, my word in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And one of the incredible, I don't even know whose water this is, but I'm drinking it. All right. It's not a COVID world anymore. I, mean, I honestly don't know whose this is, but I mean, I, can't, I left my water over there. All right. So I told you, uh, Cousin Eddie. Oh, Cousin Eddie would have done that, right? So, uh, but one of the great supernatural mysteries um, about being a Christian is, is, is wrapped around this idea of union with Christ and, and that he is in me and I am in him and we are, we are together and, and that, that plays out two ways. One way that that plays out is that how he sees us. And so when he looks at you and he looks at me, he, does, he sees the, the perfect obedience of Jesus and he doesn't see all of our flaws and our sins. He looks at us and he sees the perfect obedience of Christ. But the other way that, that plays out is that we we have this and it, it, it's we 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 experience this through communion and uh, and and through the, the declaration of the gospel and through baptism and and that we are we are united and and we're we're just we're welcomed and delighted in at all times. That's think about it, that's so hard for us to understand that even in our even going back to the to the uh, disciples who were just about to betray him. That they are welcomed and they're delighted in. And no matter what we do, we're welcomed. We're delighted. We're, we're part, we're we're one. And so it's it's very difficult for us to, to, to understand that sometimes because, first of all, that's not how we are, right? And let me, I'll give you a little a little uh, theory here, and, and then I'll give you a, thing, a couple things to back it up. But it's um, but it's this is that when when you believe that you've offended, you tend to avoid. Like, when you believe that you've offended, you tend to avoid. And we can go back to the very first people of Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, they hid from God. And God's like, where were you? Well, you were hiding. Well, why? Why were you we hiding? Well, we realized that we were naked, and so we were afraid. And so I think it's interesting that fear and, and shame and insecurity immediately raised up, right, rose up in them as soon as they had sinned. And so what did they do? They hid from God. And so that's our natural instinct is to hide, right? If you're married in here, right, maybe you've done something to offend, and, and so you spent kind of the day on the other side of the, the house, right? I mean, we don't have a West Wing or anything, but it's kind of like, you know, like I'm just going to give some space. There's been an offense, right? And so probably the best thing for me is to stay out of the way. Right? And so we, if, if you tend, if you believe you've offended, you tend to avoid. That happens with dogs. I got another dog, another one. That's just her name. There's Lily, perfect, precious, and then I got another one. We just call her another one. And uh, that's not true. I'm just kidding. And uh, we do have another dog, and her name is Liberty. But if, if I come home and Liberty has taken care of business in our house, she is like hiding, right? So it's like, which I've offended, so I'm going to avoid. And so when we feel like we've offended, we tend to avoid. But Jesus is saying, if you abide in me and I in you, then there's no avoidance needed. That Jesus loves us even in those moments. There's a, there, there's a delight in the relationship even when we messed up. And so the Bible doesn't, ask, it's interesting because the Bible doesn't play it out that way where it says so many people think, well, I got to get cleaned up to, get, to, to be able to, to come to God. No, 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 that's not how the Bible says. The Bible says come to God so we can clean you up. And so to understand our position, this is the point, right? To understand our position in the presence of God is to understand that in Christ we do not have to avoid, but we can run to Jesus regardless of what we're guilty of. To understand our position in the presence of God is to understand that in Christ we do not have to avoid, but we can run to Jesus regardless of what we're guilty of. And so just two quick pictures of that, of of, of which one are we, right? Right? And so on that night when Jesus is sharing this, he's got, he's, he, he says, Hey, you know, one of you is about to, to, to betray me. And so they all start, you know, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? We all know who it was, right? Judas ended up um, g- giving him up for 30 coins of silver, right? And so, but then Peter, come on, we read about Peter. Peter's like the superhero of the faith, right? But Peter, let's not forget what Peter did, right? Peter's like, Oh, not me. Everybody else is like, Is it me, Lord? Is it me? Is it me? Peter's like, it's not me. All right. Even if I should die, these other fools might betray you. But even if I should die, I would not. I would not betray you. And Jesus, is like, okay. Um, well, actually, Peter, um, by, before the you know by by morning, you will have betrayed me three times. And then this is what Peter says after spending all this time with Jesus, and knowing He is no. Even if I should die, I won't betray you. All right. Peter uh, just, and he says, all right, before the cock crows in the morning, you know, whatever. And so, so we know that Peter, you know, he's, he's, a, as Jesus is being taken away, um, little girl comes up and just a little uh, servant girl and says, how are you, you, you with him? He's like, and then Peter goes, no, no, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know that man. And then another person comes up and says, Hey, you know, no, 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 no we, we've seen you with him. We've seen you with him. Your accent kind of gives it away. You, you were with him. And he starts to get a little bit more annoyed. He's like, no, Hey, Hey. I'm telling you, I do not know that man. And then a group sees him and, and says, no, wait, hey, no, we have seen you with him. And the Bible says he starts to cuss and swear and just, and start getting all these people that you don't know what you're talking about. I do not know that man. And then right as that happens, rooster crows and he looks at Jesus and Jesus looks at him and he realizes the betrayal that he's just had. And so, man, we, we, you know, we celebrate Peter a lot of times just because of, you know, being a hero of the faith, and then we think of Judas as a traitor, but betrayal is betrayal. If we look at those two moments, you know, is, is one worse? It's up to you to decide which one it is, but they're both betrayal. But there's two different kinds of people. Is a Judas it's believed or said, and I say believe, that's I think it's kind of known that Judas was never really a believer. Because I mean, even when they referred to when, when Peter referred to Jesus, he referred to Jesus as Lord, as you are the Christ. And Jude, Peter knew Jesus. When when Judah um, referred to him, Judas, I'm sorry, it's said Judas, Judas referred to him, he referred to him as rabbi, which has meant teacher. And he didn't really refer to him in the same way. And Judas really never knew Jesus as as Savior. And so when, when he had betrayed and he started feeling the guilt, what did he go off and do? He went off and killed himself. And so, but Peter, so Peter, this is about post, this is post-resurrection. And, and uh, the Bible says that the disciples were just, went back to their jobs. They didn't know what else to do and, and uh, went back to their jobs. And some of them were fishermen. And so Peter's fishing. They're out there fishing. And, uh, and so think about this. We, we, it, it, we, we tend to avoid when we know we've offended and so Peter's fishing, and they're like, somebody's like, hey, there's, there's Jesus. There's Jesus, right? Jesus out there. Peter's first response, was it this? Oh, good Lord. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, do you guys know what I did last time? Do you, is it, does he see me? Does he see me? That's not the way the Bible says he did. It says that Jesus, I mean, that Peter jumped out of the boat. They were trying to turn the boat around and get to it, but he jumped out of the boat, swam to Jesus, and just laid at his feet. And so I think about this. Which one of the, which, which, How are we living our life? Because Judas was all, knew Jesus just as long, was part of the same group and did all, was part of all of the same uh, miracles and everything else. And so, but he never really had a relationship with Jesus. Matt, you know, Peter was an idiot sometimes, but man, he knew Jesus and his, in his heart. And he knew the heart of Christ that when, even though he had betrayed him, when he did, man, he still went running back. And so to understand our position in the presence of God is to understand in Christ, we do not have to avoid, but we can run to Jesus. The last thing is this, is Jesus gives us the power to love. Verses 8 through 10 says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. You know, when we read this text, oftentimes we get it backwards, and, and we, think of it, we think it says this, if you obey, then you'll, then you'll abide in my love. But it's, that's not what he just said. In fact, if you go back one, one, uh, one uh, chapter in John, John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Which comes first? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. It doesn't say keep my commandments to show you that you love me. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And so it's not obey my commands and you love me, but grow in your love for me and I will teach you to obey my commands. Grow in your love for me, and I'll teach you to, to obey my commands. And when we get this backwards, we step outside of the orthodox Christian faith. The orthodox Christian faith isn't do so therefore you'll be approved. It's love so therefore you will do. And man, if we have kids in here, we understand that. I don't need a book or a law or uh, you know uh, 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 anything else to to, to 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 want me to 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 love my kids, to, to do things to show I love my kids. My love for my child outweighs everything else. And so, like this week, we were, uh, I, I'm a, I, I, on Thanksgiving, I kind of grew up in a watch football family. is what we did. You know, we watch football. And uh, spend some time with family if we're watching football. And, uh, and so this weekend, my daughter, um, who's 17 and can drive, by the way, and has uh, done very, very well in school. She's, she's trying to finish up some things and finish strong. And she, is, uh, she's, she wants to finish it up like over the, over the week. And so she's like, hey, let's go to Panera. We spent like eight hours at Panera on Friday, like eight, hour, eight hours at Panera on Saturday. And she could go do this on her own. But she's like, no, but I just like it when you're there because it makes me focus better. And so I just kind of sat in Panera, right? Every once in a while, I get up, walk to Coles, you know, and come back or something. And uh, But I was thinking, you know, like, honestly would much rather be watching football. I mean, I would much rather in my mind. But the whole time I was there with her, I was like, I'd much rather be doing this. I'd much rather be here with her. Just doing nothing, literally nothing but making sure that she wasn't, you know, getting distracted at all. But I th- it was so boring. And it was so ridiculous. And I'm like, she's 17. You can do this on your own. But she's like, no, I like it when you're here. Right, and so, but I was, but I mean, I'm like, man, I'm so glad I didn't miss that. I I wasn't thinking that in the moment necessarily all the time, but I'm so glad. Why? Because nothing compares to loving my child. And so, because of the love I have for my child, I'm willing to do the things I don't even want to do, the things that seem stupid and ridiculous, the things that are, you know, it's like you're 17. So, but I was like, no, happy to be here because I. And so, if we have kids, we get this. And so, this is what. So, this is the thing. What I'm called to is to work on and grow in my love for Jesus Christ, and that in turn will affect my obedience. Again, it's love, then obey. Love, then obey. What I'm called to is to work on and grow in my love for Jesus, and that will begin to affect my obedience. And if I grow in my love and it starts to straighten out the crooked path of my disobedience, Right? And not to work on, on obedience in order to love, but grow in my love so it'll straighten out my disobedience. And so, this is kind of the main thought here is I think what, we, what me, that means for us as Christians is that we need to fill our lives with things that stir our affections for Jesus and simultaneously want to cut out the things out of our life, anything that robs us of our affections for Jesus. That as Christians, we should fill our lives with things. That stir our affections. Because love isn't something we're really good at. Love is not a natural thing for us. We love ourselves much more than we love anything else. But man, Jesus is like, let your love grow for me. So we have to stir that. We have to fan the flame. Let's fill our lives with things that stir our affections for Jesus. And so we kind of have to know a little bit how we're made. I know for, for all of us, we're going to talk about this in a second. For all of us, that means by reading the Bible. That means... Uh, prayer Bible reading and prayer but after that man we're, we're, we're kind of all over the map there may be things there are I know some people and this I mean, if you're this person don't I'm not making fun of you like my wife is and that find Jesus in nature right like just you just go in nature and you're like oh God is so good I'm like I see trees that's what I see right And we're all over the map, and so we find it in different ways. I have a couple things that that trigger me. Trigger's not a bad thing, you know, like, oh, I'm triggered. Triggered to think about God. No, this is so stupid for me. You would be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. When I'm driving, and I see a plane in the air, I look up, and I don't don't know what it is. I never made this decision to think this. I'm reminded of, of, there's this this whole other world of people going somewhere and doing, I'm reminded of how small I am and how insignificant I am. Because I don't really ever, you know, I probably need a little bit more of that in my life, right? But I'm reminded of how small I am. And I'm like, God, you are, you're incredible. I don't even know why. And then another thing I think about is this. I, every, every day, I say every day. This is most days. Like, this is just me, right? I, think, I try to think of something that I'm super grateful for that I don't deserve in any way, shape, or form. And I try to think of something that I know that, that I didn't get, that I did deserve because of the, the way I acted, what I did. And when I think about those things, I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm just like, my love is growing for God. Because I think about this, like even in our worst moments, and the thing that, the the worst thing that you've ever done, the thing that nobody, maybe even nobody knows about, the thing that you know, if somebody else found about, it would change their perspective on who you are in that worst moment. If Jesus knew nothing else about us, but that one thing in that worst moment, he still would have sacrificed himself on the cross. He still would have given himself if he knew nothing else about me but that worst thing. I often think of myself as, I'm, one, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person, right? But I still have that moment where I'm like, that's not a good person. That dude needs to be punched in the face, right? And it's like, Jesus is like, no, I'll give myself to him. And so I think about those moments, and I'm like, God, thank you. And so let's, let's figure out for us, each one of us, how we can stir up our affections for Jesus, Right? Because to work on and grow my capacity to love the Lord empowers and fuels my obedience. To work on and growing my capacity to love the Lord empowers and fuels my obedience. And so, and so, what's at stake? This is kind of finishing up here. What's at stake? Because you get one more verse. Why? Why are we talking about this? And Jesus says in eleven, "These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you." What kind of joy? His perfect joy. We go back to the fruits of the spirit. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's perfect fruits. Joy, perfect joy. That his perfect joy may be in you and that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So all of this stuff we just talked about, Jesus starts with like, look, I am the true vine. I am going to, I am going to produce the kind of fruit for you that you can't produce for yourself. Why? Because I want you to have my joy. I want, my, I want your joy to be full. And then Jesus says, I will give you the power of, to love. Why? So that you will have my perfect joy. So your joy will be full. And that our position is really in his presence. Like our life and and positioning should just be, look, I don't, I don't, I think it back to my dog. My dog doesn't have to perform at all. We don't teach her tricks. Literally just don't go to that bathroom in the, in the, in the, in the house. And that's it. She doesn't have to perform at all. I love that dog, but <laughs> can't even tell you how much I love that dog, because, because of just the affection that she gives, right? And what a blessing it is to me, just as a dude, right, it, just that this little dog wants to give me, wants to be with me, wants to, wants to give me affection. Like, and I'm like, you know, she, this morning I woke up, and she just came over, she just sat, she looked at my face the whole time, and, I, it's, and I'm reading, and if you don't touch, if you're not talking to her, she goes, Rrr. and I'm like, all right, scratch, scratch, Yes. and i'm like and, and you know it's i'm like oh, all right come here you know whatever and so but what a blessing it is to me that a dumb dog wants to be with me and show me affection and how much of a blessing it is to to our father in heaven when we position ourselves the same way to say i just want to be with you i just want to show to show you my affection and you don't have to perform and so, so many of us may come in here, man. I'm so tired of trying to trying to do this, and I'm, I'm struggling with this. And I've been. It's not about performance. It's just about abiding, positioning ourselves into growing our affection for the person of Jesus Christ. In that, as our love grows, man, our life will be changed. Our the things that we're struggling with with obedience will begin to straighten out. But rather, I, rather than focus than just thinking about. Can I struggled with this a lot. I was always the good kid growing up. I grew up in a Christian home. I was became a Christian when I was fourteen. I did almost uh, nothing of the things the culture, all the things of culture and Jesus should say you did, shouldn't do, like big things. I didn't do right. Never smoked. Never drank. Didn't have relationships with women before I was married, anything like that. And uh, but I was always the good one, right? I mean, I say that like, but 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 I struggled to know Jesus because I, all I ever thought about was just being. The person that i know i'm supposed to be like i'm not supposed to do this because i'm gonna and i've got i'm not gonna do it why because jesus didn't want me to i was good at that in a lot of ways i still struggle with other things i was good at that in a lot of ways but i never it was always just out of it was just a behavior modification but i struggled to know jesus and i look back over the times of my so much of my life where i'm like ah i mean i was just acting like a christian but i didn't know the person of jesus and that whole time he was like what are you doing over there Get over here, right? It's the same thing I do to my dog sometimes. Like, what are you? It's weird to get over here. And so, but all we have to do is abide, position ourselves to just one thing. God, I just want to give you glory. I just want to grow in my affection and my love for you. And as we do that, all of those other things he will teach us, he will bring us, he will cover for us. We have one, one main responsibility, grow in our love for the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your, your love, your grace, your mercy. <clears throat> Lord, as we finish up right now, Lord. I pray that you would just, um, just sink that in our hearts. God, as we go into worship, spend just a minute here in worship, Lord. I pray that you would just seal in our hearts your, what your word is speaking to each one of us. God, we're going to lift up this song to you, Abide. As we sing about it this morning, as we talked about it this morning, God, I pray that you would help us and teach us to just abide. We don't have to perform. We don't have to be anything more than just someone who comes to the feet of Jesus and sits and waits, dwells. God, in so many ways, that's so hard for me to do. So hard for me sometimes. Sometimes. But every one, of, every one of those reasons is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is my problem. But God, I thank you for the moments that you've brought me, that you've taught me, that you've, that you've brought me to your feet. Lord, good ways, bad ways, all the things good and bad in my life, whatever, no matter what's happened, you would use that to prune in, in ways. I pray that we would just be open to your pruning and that we would abide this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.